Welcome to the Waking Up to Money podcast. It's called Waking Up to Money because of its double meaning. Uh, we record these podcasts every Wednesday morning when we think most people are waking up. And what we talk about is the idea of waking up to your relationship to money and how that impacts how you do pricing in your business. So we believe that if you can shift that relationship, you can price your products and services in a way that positively impacts your business and the lives of your clients. We record these podcasts live so that we can invite guests to ask questions too. This means you'll hear about challenges and situations from people like you, and we ground the ideas and tactics we share in real-world situations. We hope you'll find these episodes a valuable resource as you try to work out what it means to price more powerfully and confidently. Our hope is by sharing these ideas, we'll stop you getting in your own way of making the money and impact that you want to make in your business. Enjoy. builds and builds and builds mm -hmm. and then the other day i just made a point i was sat down i'm going to write a blog post and uh when i was doing it i had quite a few sort of full stars but a few different sort of thoughts came to me i kind of rewrote one about sort of three times then had one and kind of published mm -hmm. it but then i had kind of you know reawoken that little bit of my brain so mm -hmm. then the next morning i was like no i'm just going to write and i had a few sort of thoughts which had come out of the writing from the day before but, and then also just the habit, the, not the habit, the practice, the, my brain remembered how to do it. So I could just start kind of writing things and then on and on and on and on. So it's you know, that thing, just the more I do it, the easier it is. And so don't do things like content calendar because one, I read why I wrote the day before, the day afterwards. So there's, a, you know, some sort of thread in my mind at least. Yeah. What speaks to me is there's the well the, the the block I've had is the creative process because like a lot of time I would start with writing a blog post saying I need to have a blog post done by this mm. hour, yeah, and how that really didn't help. And rather, <laughs> yeah, it felt too much pressure and I needed to make it make sense while actually starting a process of just getting words on paper, and then a lot of the time when I do that, what I wanted to write at the beginning, it doesn't end up the thing that I actually write. But it feels a lot more satisfying yeah. because the the right the right topic emerges, or and the thing that I've had to deal with is nothing emerges, mm. and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm. For those of you who stumbled into this conversation, waking up to know, writing, <laughs> waking up to writing, <laughs> we're just yeah we're just talking about how our morning has started, and and Ben was just sharing his his writing practice that um, he's kicked off i'd be curious any of you here listening do you have a regular writing practice uh please type into the chat say yay or nay or yes and this is what i do or no i fucking hate it <laughs> <laughs> and this is why um it would be nice to get a uh to, to know that there's people out there i think we've got 12 of you here today it looks like at the moment um it usually builds up over the time of the webinar. Uh, so for those of you who are new to this or, um, uh, and if you're not, I'm not going to say it anyway. <laughs> this is a regular webinar that Ben and I put together. We call, we've now called it Waking Up to Money. Uh, and this is because, uh, A, it's in the morning. <laughs> and B, I think the essence of what we're talking about when we're talking about pricing is really waking up to 
the things that really stop us from pricing well. And so we're, we're trying to host these regular conversations just to explore that idea of the deeper the deeper uh, knowledge or, or awareness we need to have when we want to price well and, and create, therefore, sustainable businesses that make us feel happy. Uh, but we'd also love to hear your questions uh, and your thoughts. Uh, and and we invite you know people to come up live and, and to share that. Uh, and so if if there is uh, if you have a question um, particularly on the topic today which is what if your clients knew that you are doing a pricing course is that okay <laughs> would you scare them off uh, so if it's anything around that topic uh, you have a question or any question around pricing uh, please post it either in the chat or there's an ask a question feature on Crowdcast, which really helps us um, pick out the questions. And also you can vote them up and down. So if there's a question there that's already been posted that you find really interesting or you'd love to hear answered, then you can just vote it up and then we'll invite, if you want, the person who's asked the question. Can we vote on. it down then? Oh, we can vote it down. <laughs> we can delete it. <laughs> we have full control. You know? Wow, the power. Exactly, exactly. We control the story. <laughs> it's all about controlling the message. Uh, Dizzy has said she's been doing morning pages from the artist's way for many years. I don't I, I don't know what morning pages is. Do you know what morning pages is? Carlos. I know, yes. I, I've heard about it, but I don't actually know what it is. Uh, yes. Uh, well, my simple understanding is basically taking, I don't know, a certain amount of time. I think it was done on time or on page pages amount of pages just to kind of write words uh but i may not be doing it justice with that explanation <laughs> dizzy if you so unstructured writing rather unstructured than writing just sort of writing something in particular okay cool Gilly, she's written a whole book on this and uh three pages there we three go three pages okay all right so she uh, alex is, has tried to dabble but sustaining it is a challenge Yes, it is. It, it, in the end, it is. It's like ha good habits, hard to start, easy to quit. <laughs> a literal <laughs> download. There we go. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, so in my words, uh, brain vomit. Um, cool. Well, that, that is a bit of a sidetrack there. <laughs> Which I think, actually, we've been talking about the idea of writing and storytelling and how that could relate to pricing and money stories uh, and so watch this space we are throwing around some ideas with a good friend marianne powell who is who's been doing some writing workshops for us in the community so that we were looking to see how to integrate that because there's something interesting there but in the meantime are we allowed is it okay for our clients to know that we're learning about pricing ben and actually maybe starting off or oh, i'll 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 propose two ways to do this we could start off by saying why we think it's not a good idea or why we would might think it's not a good idea and then maybe we can go into why we think it's a good idea and of mm. course we've got vested interest because we're doing a pricing course <laughs> <laughs> anyway we can convince you all to do the pricing course <laughs> and so yeah of course that makes sense is, is great for us but uh we'd love to just explore this idea of what stops us from really purposefully doing the work around learning about pricing uh and like i said if you have any questions that are in terms of your own journey while you're watching this around pricing and, and things that get in your way please pop them into the questions box so that we can then 
if, if possible, help you or give you some pointers. So Ben, why why would you be scared for people to for your clients to know that you're doing a pricing course? I would not be scared. No, that wasn't the question. Um, so I think yeah, as you sort of alluded to, kind of unashamedly, I think the reason this thought came up is was thinking about marketing the course, thinking about marketing anything really, mark, the marketing and selling of anything, uh, and. Um, you know, one of the most important things for other people who are considering to sort of buy the thing, do the thing, whatever it is that you might be offering is that other people have done it. Um, and, you know, we had a really great cohort of people who did the first time. But I was remembering when we were talking to Becky, who had been on the, the first cohort before she had um, before she joined the course. And in fact, we were doing a some you know a bit of a kind of money clinic type thing. I think is what this was called in the olden days. Uh, and I remember Becky kind of making reference to that as a sort of bit of a sort of sideline kind of joke. Or you know, what if my clients kind of knew that I was here? And we sort of spoke about it a little bit at the time. But I kind of had that sort of thought then, kind of percolate, percolating, um, kind of ever since. And then I was thinking about it in the context of. The pricing course for kind of everybody who went on the pricing course and you know kind of all the great sort of community and sort of learning that kind of happened with that but was then sort of thinking well maybe there is actually a little bit of a um a kind of an obstacle which is worth calling out here which is you know maybe people have and you know feel free to kind of agree or disagree and drop it into the comments but maybe people have this sort of question this sort of doubt uh, or I'm not sure kind of best how to kind of categorize it, but this sort of feeling that somehow if I am getting better at pricing, that I'm winning and my clients are losing maybe because somehow I'm tricking them or I'm extracting more from them. Uh, and, um, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a kind of question assumption. I'm not really sure how to kind of categorize it because Becky didn't go to that length to say that that's kind of what her feeling was, but she did kind of articulate this thing, which is, oh, what if my clients did know that I was here? And so I guess, yeah, the, the kind of the, the thought, the question that I have come at is, you know, is the thing that's behind that, this kind of feeling somehow that if I price better, if I price more courageously, more confidently, price happier, as we talk about on the course. If I do all of those things, somehow my clients are losing a little bit because they're having to pay me a little bit more. And maybe that's why I wouldn't want them, I wouldn't want my clients to to know that I'm doing it because somehow they would then know that I was kind of learning about these things, learning some tools, learning some approaches, which was going to mean that I was earning more. And if I was earning more, somehow they are, they have less. Uh, and so I guess that was the kind of extrapolation in my mind as to maybe the kind of doubt, the fear that was uh, that that uh, Becky alluded to before she had done the course before. Uh, and maybe then a question that other people would, a kind of doubt that other people would share. Nice. Well, I put a little poll there, actually. <laughs> and I got it wrong the first time round. is isn't the first time I've miswritten something today. Um Pricing well means I win, they lose, as in they being the clients. So, uh, again, you know, just I'd love to get you to answer based on that, just the pure gut instinct to begin with. I know you conceptually, you, you can probably know what the answer should be in your heads. But if you were just going to think about this and thinking about your pricing, what would be your uh, gut feeling around um, what it meant to price well? 
Um, and also, I just put a little poll here as well in terms of how much have you thought about pricing? You know, how intentional are you about your pricing? And is it something you've been doing a lot, just a little, or you just really basically head in the sand rather not think about it because it's a bit too challenging? Um, and it'd, be, it'd give us a feel as well for for the the energy in the room and the the needs in the room really because we want to be guided more by your needs and what what would be a useful uh stuff to share with you um i i i would say my gut feeling at the beginning when i was thinking about pricing particularly um even when we were running a service business there was this thing about um there's an awkward feeling that uh pricing more meant it would hurt them and there's something around actually i remember saying if it didn't make people feel uncomfortable then you were pricing too low and i and while in one hand intellectually that makes sense it didn't feel right it was like oh why do i want them to feel bad (laughs) and and so there's this thing then that kind of sort of stopped me from being a bit more free with thinking about price I don't know if that that's something that you've encountered or you've heard in your experiences, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things that come up when you're saying that. One is the kind of idea that I think how we relate to money, so, you know, in our work and, of course, then in our life, which then manifests into a price, how we relate to that sort of defines a little bit how we relate to all of the things of our work and all of the things kind of of our life in a way. Uh, and that's a bit of a sort of lofty thing. But I think what you're talking about, this kind of this freedom, I think that's the important thing, isn't it? To have a kind of freeness in the sort of relationship to it, a freeness in the relationship to kind of how we price, a freeness in the relationship in how we're interacting and working with our clients and the relationship that we have there. So that it's not all about the money. Because I think where where you were sort of, where you kind of alluding to asking the question behind the, the, the thought behind the poll a little bit, like, is this too complicated a thing to kind of get you, too, too big a thing to get your head around? I think where it feels that way for people, it's because we're sort of elevating the importance of money too much in some respects. And, you know, clearly that sounds like a weird thing to say because we're talking about money here. But I think what we're talking about, you know, the other thing you started to reference, which I think is actually really important, is freeness. Yeah, I mean, using money, using price as a weapon to kind of make your clients feel kind of weak and a bit beaten and a bit kind of sick in their stomach is clearly ultimately not really very good for for anybody. Um, And I think, you know, really our intent and what we kind of want to help people kind of enjoy the benefit really is that there is a bit more freeness to it. Because if there is a bit more freeness to the relationship to the money, which kind of manifests in how we price, there's a bit more kind of freeness in the relationship to the client, a bit more of a symbiotic relationship with the client, you know, a bit more like, you know, I'm into, you know, I'm invested in your good outcome and you're invested in my good outcome. So this kind of feeling of kind of working together. And the more you get that feeling of working together with your clients, the more valuable you're going to be. And the kind of essence of everything that we're talking about is the more valuable that you are, the more opportunity there is then to share in that that value. But it's kind of, you know, you say again, whilst it is kind of weird in the context of talking about money and a, and a pricing course, I, I think the kind of realisation I was having as you were sort of talking about that actually what we're really talking about is how you can um, kind of reduce the importance of money. 
actually make money, make price feel less, less of important. Because when it when we put it up, it it's the most important thing or it's the hardest thing. We're kind of investing a huge amount in it. But actually, maybe if it's more we're focused on that that kind of the quality of the relationship that we have with our client, the quality of the relationship that we have with our work, that what we earn becomes a kind of happy, happy byproduct of that health, that the quality of that relationship. We have a question or a comment here from Kate. And uh, she says, uh, surely you want your client to be delighted they have found a solution to their problem. And that's the value. I assume you, you agree wholeheartedly with that then. Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, exactly what you're saying, Kate, is that's kind of totally right. And what, you know, the more you are kind of not focused on that, um, you know, the less able you're going to be to provide the solution. And if you're kind of distracted, worried, kind of sort of about money, you're not really wholly invested in helping the clients solve their problem. Um, and if you're not really wholly invested in that, then, you know, the value of your work is less. So, yeah, I think that sums it up very well, Kate. Thank you for that. So I want to push that a bit further now. So you, you found a solution that delights your customer and thinks, oh, yeah, there's value that I need that solved. Then there's putting a number to that value. So, Kate, I'd be curious to hear from you how you think about that in terms of, okay, um, you know, there is a problem that's worth solving here and the client really needs it solving. Uh, then how do you put or what, how have you thought about putting a number to that? Uh, and maybe Ben, you can, I don't know if you want to talk to that because there's ultimately there's that, that's the next step I feel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's clearly the a kind of a critical, a critical step. And certainly for me, the way that I've always kind of uh, sort of worked with that and what we then talk about on the course is actually is helping your client kind of explore what the value of solving the problem is. Uh, and, you know, in, in kind of easy situations, there is there's some sort of tangible outcome, some tangible return. Uh, like you know, you made reference to when you had a service business. Same, same with me. You have an agency, and there might be something kind of tangible you're working on. The client, the reason that the, the the problem that the client wants solving can be easily quantified. They want more customers. They want customers to spend more. They want customers to spend longer. They want customers to introduce other people. I don't know all, all, all of these things, which are a bit more kind of quantifiable, a bit easier to to put a kind of an absolute kind of number on. And exploring really what the client's kind of motivation is, uh, is a kind of hugely important part of this whole kind of process of getting to the place of being able to understand what something is worth. Because even where there isn't an, a, a kind of quantifiable, a tangible thing, actually, there is still value, which is why the client is buying. And so kind of helping them with kind of references, helping them with discussion, helping them with kind of exploration, start to kind of feel out what the kind of financial value of your service might be, even if it's qualitative, starts to point to what it is worth to the client, what solving the problem is worth to the client. Kate has some interesting points. So I think this is an opportunity uh, rather than to just try and guess from your your words on the chat, um, the real, you know, the essence of the context that you, you're working with. Would you like to join us, Kate? 
and maybe you can talk a bit more to the issue the issue that you are here is about having different prices for different clients and then what that means each time trying to find the number so if you're up for that please say that in the chat and we can um bring you up to to have a little little bit of a discussion around it and see if we can offer some thoughts and ideas that are grounded in a reality rather than us just talking a bit too theoretically about this stuff mm. um so th- let us know in the meantime um it's interesting you know we talk about on the course or the thing that springs to mind when when we're here talking about what governs the number um there's this idea of an anchor i think you talk about ben Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the anchors in my mind is the market rate so when we were building a website building websites for people there was like kind of this anchor in the ether it wasn't even like nailed down <laughs> Kate's getting out of the room. <laughs> i love this this is why it's so great this, this is live you pajamas. wouldn't have planned this pajamas pajamas <laughs> um, but um like as a web design agency, I, I, thinking back now, the, the kind of the invisible anchor was the day rate, the day rate of a developer or day rate of a designer. And that was the kind of the perception I think a lot of clients would come as they'd shopped around, they'd understood a day rate or, or, and, and they'd said, okay, they're kind of basing what, how much we were worth based on that. Uh, and so that, that was a hindrance to us. Um, and so, and I so, said, you know, in terms of the freeness, we were f- less free because that was the thing that we were working with. Um, so I'd be curious, and, and if anyone else out there who's had that similar kind of experience, how would you, what would you have told me, Ben, in those days? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So you used the, you introduced the idea of kind of anchor, which we do sort of talk about, which is essentially the the kind of first figure that a client or customer has in mind from which they consider everything else. Uh, and actually, you were sort of talking about it a little bit in the concept of like a negative anchor, a, the market rate, because, of course, there's no such thing as a market rate. We tell ourselves there is a thing such as a market rate, like my competitors all charge this. Or if you want a website from a company like mine, it costs that. Or if you want coaching from somebody like me, it costs that. But actually, there is no market rate. That is totally an illusion and a story that we tell ourselves. Uh, and, you know, there's a, another thing which is kind of coming up is about controlling the comparisons a little bit. I think it is important to use things like an anchor. So if you're having an exploratory conversation with a customer or a client, you know, it is really helpful to frame that conversation with, you know, it could be between this and it could be between that um, kind of figures because it it kind of it directs the conversation. And within that, there should be one of those figures, which is, you know, which is high, which is higher than you think it should be. And I think, Simpson, you made the point earlier about whether something, whether there should be discomfort. I don't think you should make the client uncomfortable, but actually there should be something in what you're saying that maybe makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable because it means you are challenging yourself to talk about the value of what you do in a kind of immaterially different ways. And using these ideas of anchor, using these kind of um, tools around um, a range to be able to explore what something is worth with the client. And I know um, Kate will, once she's out of her running gear, uh, will kind of be able to sort of talk about this. But I think one of my kind of first thoughts and we can get into is, you know, 
Kate's talking about the problem of negotiating afresh every time. At least that's how I understand it. And she can sort of tell me otherwise. I think, I think for me, that actually, again, this is a mindset thing. That's an opportunity. I think the important thing is to have a consistent process, a consistent way of getting to the price. But also then really important to accept the work that you do is worth different amounts to different people in almost every instance. And it's kind of right and okay to engage on that basis. Cool. Well, I've invited Kate on screen now because she's back. So we'll uh, we'll see if we can get her to just talk a bit more uh, to where she's at uh, and what the the specific challenges are. Um, I'm when you were talking there. Oh, we got Kate. Excellent. Hey, I now I know which Kate it is. It's really hard to know. <laughs> And someone that's sweating. <laughs> so no worries. <laughs> uh, I think there's going to be some alignment with uh, with Ben here. I think you've got very similar mindsets around uh, uh, life, business, and work. But for the benefit of Ben, maybe share a little bit about the work you do, and then specifically the types of clients you work with and the challenging challenges you're facing. Okay, so so I work as a coach, uh, mainly executive, you know, leadership um, and, and so on. But I also do a lot of mindful leadership. So, you know, helping organisations become, you know, more mindful and also teaching mindfulness, you know, from, you know, from scratch. So it's really where when it comes to the coaching, that's a lot more uh, straightforward. But particularly when it comes into, I guess, mindful design of organisations or of leadership, um, that's where it starts to get really kind of fuzzy. Um, and I think part of it is because it's relatively new in terms of, you know, organisations. And there's also, there's a lot of people who have, for example, been a mindfulness trainer and want to get into organisations. Um, and so they're prepared to, you know, pre- uh, yeah, basically do things for free, you know, um, because, you know, and I totally get that. It's the lost leader in order to actually, you know, get in there and start building, you know, their brand. But what it does is it undermines the work that that people who have been involved in that area for, you know, for a long time have been, um, uh, yeah, the, the skills and the experience that, that we bring. So it's, it's, it's really, it's really fuzzy. Um, and in terms of the, the clients, it, it depends if I'm working with individuals, you know, maybe an individual leader, or if I'm working for a, um, you know, like a B Corp, or whether I'm working for a, you know, a major multinational. And it's guesswork every time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Help. Over to you, Ben. <laughs> guesswork. How can we make it less guesswork, I assume, is the question. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kate, for coming in joining us in our sort of radio stroke webinar studio uh, out of your running gear. And that's Jersey train on top. Yeah, there's there's loads of really rich stuff in your question and there's loads of different kind of aspects to it. One, you know, the, the thing around everybody or lots of people in the space offering things for free to get in the door and what to do about that, you know, like that probably warrants a whole radio show and it's kind of own right you know my kind of feeling around that is you know this is all about you know money is a hugely important signal right and whenever a client or customer whatever is considering buying you they're spending the whole time looking for signals and they're signals that we either consciously are projecting or signals that we are blindly projecting and money is a hugely important one and so is free 
right? And actually, where a client, where where a supplier is offering something for free, they're sending a quite a clear signal about value because whether we like it or not, yeah. you know, we basically equate money with a measure of value. Uh, and I know from my own experience, actually, where we, when I was running my last business, where we shift from trying to charge not very much because we took the view, which was it was better to get a relationship going, that I was just a hiding to nothing, basically. We didn't actually get anywhere until I accidentally put the prices up by about 20 times on one conversation. And that client bought straight away. And that's really what one of the key things which kind of got me thinking about this was actually being much more expensive made it much easier for our client to buy what we were doing. So that is just kind of of one point. And the thing around that is, if I had planned that scenario that I was in in that one situation, I probably never would have done it. It was a bit of a slip of the tongue, and but it was a really kind of fortuitous slip of the tongue because I was able to kind of see the the, the kind of benefit of doing it. So just on the on the point around um, the kind of free thing, I think there's a really important positioning to hold your line with that. And where where a client is basically just super swayed by the idea of free, then maybe they don't really appreciate the value of what you're doing. And then maybe they're not going to be the right kind of client. Because once we have started with free, it's quite difficult to reframe that value in your, in their mind. Um, and so one thing I would say, that's not to say that you don't use other things, like you do charge them. Some of the stuff, that you do charge them. You do say there is a, there is a cost, there is an investment in this because it's important. But, you know, you can say if it doesn't work out for you, you can have the money back or it's kind of, you know, there are other ways of basically making it an easier purchase decision of de-risking it, but never, you know, offering free. I think leave that to the masses and reinforce your position yeah. uh, by, yeah. by standing behind the expertise that you have. I appreciate that wasn't actually your question. That was just something that I kind of picked up on at the beginning. Yeah, it wasn't really a question. There were more sort of observations. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, and so then the other thing you were saying is the kind of fuzziness. You used the kind of word fuzzy a couple of times. I like the word yeah. fuzzy. That's good. Um, and so I, I guess you were talking about you know, kind of B Corp, different kinds of clients and, and what to do. Is, is the issue a little bit that you, you kind of you find it kind of problematic that there is that it is kind of being renegotiated every time? Or is the pro, is the feeling that it's because it feels like guesswork? I think it feels like guesswork and it's probably because it's it's quite sort of new the mm. way you know, that, that we're doing it. So, you know, we can do a, a fair amount of market research, but not a huge amount. So it is a bit of, you know, a sort of guesswork and, you know, and what's, you know, what sticks. And I think having had experience in all these different types of organisations, I know that there are, you know, there are very different, you know, sort of budgets and yeah. and you know and it's coming back to what you're saying about you know their, their level of risk mm-hmm. um, and so it's not only kind of working out the budget but about how risk averse you know they are mm-hmm. um, yeah so, so th- these are really great things to explore with oh. with with your client so one of the things that we look at in the course are the questions that you can use to help understand what a client's motivation is and also their appetite so kind of motivation and appetite are the key things really which determine what the value of something is to someone. And one of the really, really effective questions that I've kind of found in my own work is asking client, well, what's the cost of not doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, quite and, a coaching question. Yeah. Right. OK. And so using your skills, using your abilities as a coach mm. to kind of tease out from the client beforehand 
what you're starting to do is starting to understand their motivation. You're starting to understand what the value of the piece of work is to them. Because I think it's really right that, you know, a public company, let's say, you know, kind of so big public company, the value of your work around the kind of leadership piece and all of that is materially different to the value of your work to a B Corp, as is their ability to pay in some instances. Um, so all, all of these things. And I think whilst it doesn't need to kind of turn it into a kind of huge, long drawn out kind of process, oftentimes we may only have an opportunity to have one conversation with a prospective client before we give them a proposal. What I would say is that it's critically important to talk to them about money in that instance. So, you know, using having a few questions that you can default to, which point to like, like, what is the cost of not doing this points to, you know, it invites them to start talking about the value of it. Equally, you can be asking them around budget. I know very few people say that they have a budget. But of course, everybody does have an idea about budget. And one of the other ways of kind of teasing that out of people, if you say, do you have a budget for this? And they say, no, you can say to them, well, for organizations like yours, I've worked on projects which are anything between 100,000 and 20,000 or 120, whatever the kind of number is. And you will find out instantly because either they'll fall off their chair or they'll hang up (laughs) or they will kind of look sort of blank. And actually, you're getting all of the signals about actually their appetite and their appreciation of their their kind of understanding of the value. And I think, you know, even just with with a sort of, a sort of toolkit of things to explore with them just on that one session, that one kind of setup call, you will start to get a feeling for what the value of the work is to them. So it isn't finger in the air. And that actually is, you know, I don't know if you use that phrase. We we speak about a lot that on the course, (laughs) which is actually what a lot of people do. It it feels like guesswork. It feels like finger in the air. And what we're trying to help people do is move beyond guesswork by exploration, by understanding, by starting to get the client to talk about money beforehand, you kind of move very quickly from a place of guessing to a place of the client giving you the information that you need. And then you're going back to them using the information that they've given you. So it's not guesswork. It's about how you draw out those little clues and guidance from the client in advance of giving them a cost. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay, I'll let someone else take over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you very Kate. Much, Kate. That's really awesome. Bye. Really appreciate your your input. Um, I, I I feel... <laughs> you can't. You're in now forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, the organisation that sort of hires you out is a lot higher than you'd want to charge with one to one, or vice versa. Um, yeah, I don't know what's your experience of this. What 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 what's usually the case, Ben? I think it's usually it's the other way around. Like that actually, when we're selling via someone else, our ability to earn is limited by their expectation, hmm. um, and so there is much more opportunity when we are going directly to our clients rather than going via an intermediary. Hmm. So, in terms of, um, I think, in terms of how she'd look at this, it's, it's it feels like trying not to be anchored by the these the, the associate rates is that yeah and, and really investigating well nearly separately it's like siloing off okay mm-hmm. just because i'm being charged by that rate by those people doesn't stop me from totally starting again with the rate for me yeah exactly and obviously the assumption is a little bit what i what i was sort of saying that it is that way around that the that you are kind of being pegged down by the associate uh, i i would say the long-term opportunity the thing to work towards is building 
your own direct to client relationships because there's just much more sort of scope with that. I totally get the ease of opportunity which comes through an associate thing. But um yeah, your opportunity there is no need to price those things in a comparable way because they're completely different. So she just posted a comment saying the it's a lot higher with the oh, corporate. Right. So and I, I'm assuming that because what they do is they take their cut and then they give you a lot less. <laughs> mm. um, and so for me, there's an opportunity to anchor yeah, yeah, yeah. your prices against something that's a lot more expensive. Mm. Yeah, yeah. For starters, charge the same that the corporates are charging you out at. Uh, because, I mean, just as a basic thing, you understand, you can see what the the kind of market will pay in that sort of sense. So you don't need to tell yourself because you're just launching that yours should be less that's a story you don't need to tell yourself and this is something that we go on to go into in the course because you know it's about the confidence you you have behind that number and that comes from you know doing some work with getting some clarity not only about what your customers find valuable but also what you are confident is the value I, and I think maybe actually what Laura's saying there, this really goes to the heart of what we were supposed to be talking about today in some respects, isn't it? This thing is priced as a signal because, Laura, I think, you know, it's it, it, put yourself in your prospective customer's shoes uh, and they see a figure which is coming from the company who sell you out at this level. And then you come with your assumption, which I'm just starting out, so but I'm going to charge less. If you think about bearing in mind, you know, the scanning that customers are doing all the time, is this safe? Is this okay? You are actually making it harder for them because they're going to look, they can't help but feel doubt that why, you know, there's a question, why is that Why is that cheaper? Because they're not saying to themselves, oh, she's just starting out and the rest of it. They're just going, hmm, reassuringly expensive or slightly worryingly cheaper. Uh, and that's the kind of the thing you need to avoid. And um, Laura says there's something here around confidence. Uh, mm. And this is something that, you know, we'd love to, you know, what part of the reason why we try and do this, these courses as a group is to build your confidence, is to see you're not alone. <laughs> you're yeah. not alone thinking like this. But at the same time, it is just a reframing and a shift. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and yeah, you know, it, it's about really understanding your customers. But ultimately yeah. not, not, not as as I learned from Ben, not negotiating with yourself straight away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're just being a bit more open to what's possible and what you could receive. So uh, I hope you, that helps. I understand if if it's more of a kind of a confidence thing. There's a deeper kind of journey here, but. Uh, given that you know you're someone's buying you at the higher rate, then that mm. means there's going to be other people who can. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put my um, email in the chat in a second, Laura, and so you can send me a question. Because I think you, the thing you added there about their different target audiences, and I think that is also important because it, there are different sort of, you know, different audiences have a different value judgment. They would expect, you know, the, the value of what you do is different for different people, and that is a key part of what, what we talk about. Uh, but the thing around confidence, actually, yeah, this kind of sequence, what is the best way of kind of addressing the confidence? And for me, it was kind of accidentally putting my prices up a lot early on, finding that we were then much easier to buy as a consequence of that, and then confidence being positively affected as a result of doing it. Cool. Okay, uh, we have a question from Saskia here. Um, she was asking, what is your biggest argument against selling more at a low price? This is an everlasting discussion with her partner. Um, 
My argument against it is that there is no understanding. Well, the, the assumption that more is better is our own. It's not based on what our clients or customers are saying. Um, clients and customers don't buy a quantum of things, you know, unless I don't know, I'm buying milk in the shop. I don't know. We're not really buying an amount of things. We're buying a problem being solved. We're buying a good like the thing we talk about in the course. They're buying good feelings and solutions to problems. Uh, that's what customers are buying. And um, they want the good feelings and they want the problem solved. <laughs> they don't want, it's not like what well, I'm going to buy now because there's this amount of good feelings. It's not a quantum of good feelings. It's good feelings and problem solved. They're the things that customers are buying and you need to focus on those. And actually, if you're just focused on more, you're probably not focused on the good feelings and the solutions and the, and the problems that they want solved. Mm. So um, if I'm, you know, Saskia's, I think she's building a community. Mm. And so I don't know if this is, uh, this is something that you've been wrestling with, Saskia. This idea, like, I could sell membership at $99 and maybe get 10 members, or I could get sell membership at $10 and maybe get 1,000 members. So there's this kind of internal guesswork calculation. It's like, ooh, I might only get $1,000 a month versus $10,000 a month. And that's this whole thing. Like, if I charge uh, low, uh, I'll get many more, and this suddenly scales up. Um, the question is always about what is it that you know? Who, what is that customer trying to achieve, and how are they framing that price against something else they could do? And this again, these are these deeper questions that you can need to ask. But a, a simple thing is like, if I for instance, with us, it's like, you know, if you think about Netflix, people spend £6 a month or £10 a month with Netflix, no problem, you know. But there's something there, right? I, what is the, what are you framing that against? It's like going to the cinema, renting videos. It costs like 15 quid a month to rent a video. Those internal calculations make it easier to go for that price. So if you're able, for me, the way I understood it, if you're able to create that story, We'll find out what is that story that then says, okay, $99 is great or $10 is great because I'll get loads of people who just have that story. Then I think it isn't whether more and low is better or whatever. It's, it's really understanding, I think, it starts talking to the customer and the things mm. that the solutions and the good feelings that they're trying to get that, that Ben's talking about. Um, because we, the thing that I'd say yeah. around the, the community thing is that even within that, you know, clearly – Nobody here, I'm assuming, is is Netflix, and their thing is around. Well, I'm going to raise, you know, probably close to a billion dollars in investment, <laughs> and I'm going to spend all of that to get 200 million people in the world paying me five pounds a month. So that's a, that's a kind of one one route to go. But I, I think even within the kind of the community, so you know, there might be people in your community that the value of what you're doing is about the ten dollars a month. But there will be equally people who want, you know, the, the good feelings and the problems they want to solve is more about connection and that there is kind of more access, more opportunity to be together, all of these sorts of things. And for those people, the broadly similar type of things that you might provide might be worth $100 a month because it manifests in a slightly different way. And it, the, the opportunity, as I see it with the community, but Carlos, you will know this much better from me, is about talking to those things slightly differently so that there are different price points because that also is an important part of how people frame the value. Totally. Yeah. And there's, um, I don't know if you've seen a book called the membership economy. 
Saskia, it, it talks a lot about this idea of they call the forever transaction, but it is how do you price, how do you sell a kind of a, this kind of more a subscription based business, which is what community is. So um, I'd look into that. We, I think this is going to something we might talk to next week in terms mm. of going a bit more deeper, deep into community pricing and also it relates to product pricing as well. Cool. Um, We've got one last one, maybe. We can try to see if we can quickly tackle. I'm not sure. Actually, it looks a bit more complicated. But this, again, it's Saskia. Uh, she's starting a new membership, 1st of May. Uh, if she does the work right away, she'll be on time with setting the price. I'm not sure what that means, whether on time setting the price. I know it's not ideal uh, to communicate at least two weeks before, but do I have to work through the content of the course weeks after the five days? Oh, I don't know if I understood that question correctly, so, um, Saskia, but uh, how to interpret that? I'm going to interpret that in terms of do I need to put the content together? First? Oh, I think she's talking, talking about our course. Are you talking about oh. our course or are you talking about your course? Ah, if it's about whether it's too late to do our course because your new membership is starting on the 1st of May, it's uh, it's never too late or too early to do our course. It's that whatever you learn, you can use again. I think when you're doing a membership-based community or anything, oh, wait, you're pricing anything, there's always scope to change your prices. Um, and she wants to raise her prices by first uh, Okay. So it's about our course. Um, let's put it this way. I would say it, not doing our course or not doing our course doesn't stop you from raising your prices. But by doing our course, you'll be more confident as to why and what number you put it up to. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add there, Ben. No, I think that 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 says it. That says it well. Uh, and you know, if you've got any questions, ask it. Then drop drop me a line, uh, and we can have a chat about that. Brilliant. Cool. Uh, oh, I'm going to thirty seconds left, and I'm going to get pick on Claire's comment here because it's interesting. Finding pricing for service-based businesses is so much harder than selling physical products. This, your your comment on that, Ben? Is that is it a lot harder? Um, to, not 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 on my experience. No, I think the kind of opportunity is much richer in many respects. Um, there's much more opportunity when yeah. you're selling services. I would say. I would say. It's easier, in a sense, to sell a physical product because if you take this stance of I'm not going to talk to anyone and I'm just going to put a price out there <laughs> and then hope people buy it, and then if so, no one buys it, then I start playing around with the price. And it might be harder if you feel like talking to people and really digging down and getting real feedback that, that might feel a bit dis- uncomfortable. Mm. I like, you know, when Wolfgang was talking about, he put, you know, there's a lot of creativity and emotion he put into the thing that he's selling uh, and if that then starts to create a fragility when you're talking to someone because you don't want to get offended or you feel like oh my god i put so much energy into this why you think it's worth that much then that's going to be a challenge so i would say whether it's a product or a service mm. it's always it's the same principle comes you know it comes out it's like you it's talking to people and being open to understanding their objections which is again Mm -hmm. something we talk a lot about on the course yeah 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 very good okay thank you very much ben thank you everyone else for for all the lovely comments there seems to be lots of conversations going on here actually this i totally missed around zoom and 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 
uh, transcribing. <laughs> I missed hey, that the, one. The, to Samantha, to your question, the, this is all, all recorded. So you can uh, go back and watch to your heart's content. Ah, I see. Yes. Uh, just use this link. You'll be, come back here and you'll be able to access the recording. And we'll also, we put it out on the podcast. So there's a podcast. If you search on uh, Spotify, Waking Up to Money, you'll be able to listen to it if you don't want to just watch. To get information on the course, Laura, just click on the green link. Uh, and it'll take you to the pre-registration um, form, and we'll be able to contact you with the details on the course. Green thing at the bottom. Thank you very much, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> the green thing. <laughs> the green thing. Brilliant. When down uh, for green things. Look up the green thing. Oh, and I would just one one I, one thing I'd like uh, a request to all of you if you're still on here. Please share this with anyone you th this the waking up to money show and the link to this show with any with anyone you think would find benefit from just listening to us. Um, good. Love... <laughs> Sorry, that's good. <laughs> exactly. I've never said that before. No, this came to mind. Well, it's been growing over the past few weeks, and we have yeah. more and more people attend live. And I think well, actually, then we must be saying something useful. <laughs> so please. Get other people to listen to this as well because they might find it useful as well. And and it will really, really, really help our egos. Yeah, exactly. That's the most important thing. That is the Make most us feel better. Thing. Make me feel better. Like Ben and I really want to feel thought leadery. And the more thought leadery we can be, the, the happier we'll be. We so. need to have 600 people who are here before I can be considered a thought leader. So it's in your hands. First target, 600 live viewers, and then uh, we'll be internally grateful. And we know who you are now. We know who the 16 people who joined today. And if we get 600 people in the next three months, we'll be, we, we will get in touch one-to-one. -to -one. <laughs> awesome. All right. Take care. Thank you very much, Ben. And take care. Have a great rest of the week, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Waking Up to Money podcast. We hope you found it useful. If you're new to this podcast and this idea of waking up to money, then you may be interested in our happy pricing manifesto and course. Go to our website at happypricing.co where you can download the manifesto and also get a copy of our happy pricing canvas. The manifesto is our declaration of what we believe is important for pricing well and pricing happy. The Canvas is a tool to help you make sense of the prices you currently set and what you can do to price more methodically and confidently. Twice a year we also run our Happy Pricing course, where you'll get the chance to learn more deeply the ideas we share on the podcast with the guidance and support of Ben and the cohort of like-minded peers who'll be doing the course with you. Please register to the course if you'd like to get alerted of when we're running it next. Go to the website, again, happypricing.co forward slash course. Also, please remember to follow us on Spotify and to share this episode and links to the podcast with any friends you think would find it useful. If you'd like to ask your questions live on our Waking Up To Money show, then register to our Crowdcast channel by going to ahappy.link forward slash waking up to money. See you soon.